Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global motorsport podcast roundup. So what was the most exciting motorsport of the weekend? We had plenty going on, no real big events going on, but there was a Safari Rally, there was BTCC, which is big, of course, MotoGP, NASCAR, big if you're over the other side of the pond. And there was this Motor McNurtry thing <laughs> at Goodwood Best of Speed that we'll speak about a little bit later on. And somebody yeah. went up the hill at Goodwood uh, yeah. on a high-speed run. Oof, I look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> so, what's, so, Tiff Nadell, how are you? Um, <laughs> Very the Safari well. Rally, you know that quite well. I don't. Was it well, worth I, the watch? I, I, but, but I never know. Was it the most exciting motorsport? Well, the trouble is, you know, watching one rally car go through some of those stages in this fight is incredibly exciting, incredibly impressive. But it's just that you can't watch it live because it doesn't really work with rally because obviously it's you know, cars coming three, four minutes apart, depending on the dust and the dirt. It's an incredible sport, always will be. The drivers are just sensational and stunning. Um, but unfortunately, at the moment, the World Rally Championship is going through a bit of a hiatus. They changed the new regulations. They got their dreaded hybrids and come in and made things more complicated, unnecessarily, in my opinion. But there we go. Most manufacturers like it. And the, the result was, you know, was almost sums up the season. because It was a Toyota 1, 2, 3, 4, which hasn't happened for many, many years. Um, Hyundai were fifth. And Hyundai, again, is typical. that The only one survived of, of the front runners, Thierry Neuville. Because uh, they're always fast but fragile. They've had an awful year. And then poor old Ford's just sort of pretty much as usual, pr- pr- bringing up the rear end in sixth, seventh, and eighth. Uh, Craig Breen, the best of the Philip. He crawled through the last stage with no power. And poor old Craig. Craig's lovely because he's this Irishman with his, wears his heart on his sleeve, you know. When he, when he got a, a full-time uh, world championship ride a while ago, you know, he was in tears at the end of the stage. You know, I can't believe I'm lucky enough to be doing this. This is the best thing, you know. He's, he's I love him. But at the end of this final season, it was like, oh, stump the gear to drive away from the interview. You know, nothing's right. Nothing's working. Not working. Um, so it was very, spent, very hard. Again, you're hard. Where's, where's he from? Did you say Ireland? What was Ireland? What was that? Well, that yeah, okay. What was with that accent? Well, right. Yeah, all right. Okay. I'm apologize. Sorry, Craig. You know, I was just trying to put a bit of character into the into the podcast. Um, but you know, there's the stages in there. So they, they were they were hitting like ploughing dust with their splitters, and the whole car was like covered over the windscreen. You know, you couldn't see for. Someone actually stopped at one time in a stage because he, he just lost his bearings in a hairpin. He'd gone cloud sand all over his car. just couldn't see. He had to wait for the sand to settle to know which way to drive back out again. Really tough on the cars, very, very hot, which is you know, another thing. But through it all, yet again, this 21-year-old, Kale Rovampera, ended up being quickest. You know, he, he had to start the first day. Championship leader has to start first. This is always this huge disadvantage because you're sweeping the dust, you're clearing the tracks for those to follow and go quicker. And he was down in, I don't know, fifth or sixth or seventh of day one, but works his way through. Amazing finishes first. Um, and he's just romping away with the championship. I mean, Thierry Neuville, amazingly, the second is still a high end dive, Thierry Neuville, who's actually scored points in every rally, which very few people ever do. But he's 65 points behind Robin Perra with 25 I, points for a win. So when Robin Perra's got to disappear for three rallies. To be that good at that age is incredible. As a driver, yeah. is incredible. But to have that mental ability yeah. to, to, is uh, is something else as well. Yeah. 
phenomenal. Uh, they're yeah. all so talented, these boys. They really I know, yeah, Cali hadn't done a safari before. He, he was a bit ill on day two. I think Friday, Saturday morning, he felt pretty sick. I think, you know, the pressure, the heat and the dust. There was dust coming into those cars. Even when they're not, you know, standing over the top, they've got terrible inhalation of dust. It's a tough, tough world being a rally driver. And I'm talking about tough. And Gus Greensmith, one of the Ford who had the worst of the Ford weekends, he had an awful situation, which is very actually very concerning, um, because the safari rally hasn't been run a lot until last year. I think last year was its return, or maybe two years ago. But he ended up rolling over. He, was, he ended up the car on its side, and they couldn't get the door open that was up at the top. I don't know if that was jammed. But the chief marshal stopped people approaching the car. Now, I don't know what, you know, they're obviously the very amateurish, I won't say amateur, you know, marshals, because they only get this one big rally a year. They've always got some national rallying going on. But with this hybrid system, I can only assume, I should have done more research, but I couldn't find any more info, that with the electric capacity, that's all this, you know, that if the light's on, you must don't touch the car, nobody must touch the car. So I think she was actually doing perhaps what she was briefed to do. You know, you mustn't, but I mean... If the car burst into flames, I mean, they were Gus in the end had to kick the windscreen out to get the two out of them. They were crying for help. Now, one photographer approached the marshal on the, on the YouTube stuff and said, "Well, you know, we've got to help them." They said, "No, no, no," um, because there is a danger that someone touched the car will get electrocuted. Is the, in theory, I don't know quite. So I haven't noticed in Formula One. When Formula One first started having hybrid, all the marshals were coming up huge rubber gloves on, didn't they? I haven't noticed so much that I don't know quite how they're. You're right. Working out, you know, how Marshall should be trained for the electric revolution. I only in Formula E, I don't know all of them. I don't really know. There's always this, you know, if there's a light on the car, it's safe. If there's a green light or a red light. So I think normally it's very rare that this light comes on to say a Formula E car isn't safe. But it wasn't good. I mean, they, they were just filming the car inside. You know, normally in Britain, all the fans run over, put him back on his wheels. Go, go, you know, go, go, go. But uh, nobody was allowed to get near the car to push it back on its wheels. And they had to kick themselves out. So, it was so the solution is, if you go to watch a rally, uh, wear rubber gloves. <laughs> then you can help put cars back it, on the road. It is a scary no, anyway, And it wasn't the most exciting so uh, event was, because it's hard to watch it. <laughs> well, again, it wasn't the British Touring Car Championship, which normally would be top of my list. Um, well, High guy were doing well again. They did well in the, yeah, the yeah, rally. They won the, well, the greatest, I mean, the, the feel-good story was, of course, this fact, fantastic winning the first two races for Dan Lloyd, you know, who um, had this spectacular crash at Alton Park two weeks ago. And they thought, you know, he, he needed £100,000 to rebuild his car. You know, because most British touring cars, they're all privateers bringing their own money. There's yeah. very few professional paid drivers anymore, like the old days of the 1990s, the super touring um, so, you know, he'd, he'd got, they'd, they'd fixed the car, so huge uh, congratulations to the team. Um, and he came out again and he won the first two races. He's third qualifying, qualifying and he did overtake. But um, the trouble so that, is, that's his, his processional uh, racing. This, so as, that, we talked about this last week. I've already yeah. sent you the last week that the, um, the new hybrid boost button is so small, it doesn't really do enough of an effect. Whereas the big 75 kilos, whatever it was, success ballast, is what made touring cars so unpredictable. The championship leader carrying 76 kilos, that's like a second and a half a lap, you know, and he'll be floundering, he'll be overtaken, and he'd be dropping back in the pack. But, um, you know, I looked at the, the first race, I mean, the first 10 qualifiers, um, nine of them finished in the first 10, with very few changes. So out of the top 10, oh, the only person not of the top 10 qualifiers that didn't finish in the top 10 was Gordon Shedden, who had his, uh, had his suspension broken at the first corner, uh, so he finished last. 
uh, came through from the back of the grid in the second race to finish 12th. And then the lucky ball was number 12, which has happened quite often this year. So Gordon Shannon duly won the reverse grid race. Um, it does worry with touring cars. I think, you know, look, you know, it just it's just processional at the moment because, you know, it's very hard to overtake, very determined, successful, very skilled drivers in all the cars. So um, we would yeah. like to see more overtaking. But um, so Tommy... well, Janetta Juniors, mind just to finish off the, the, the Croft story, were absolutely amazing. They made up all the action excitement was the Janetta Juniors. All they were like four abreast and packs of four into corners. <laughs> Tremendous! Congratulations to all the juniors that survived without any major shunts. So, so in terms of BTCC, just because because we haven't got that much on this week. Um, well, no, it's worth saying anyway. But Tom Ingram leads his pack. Just uh, Josh Cook second. Turks in um, third, then Ash Sutton fourth. So it looks like it's a bit of a four-course race at this stage, but still, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the Cook Hondas were slow. He had an engine trouble in the first race. He dropped right, back. but he, he survived the weekend by getting second in the reverse grid race, which was his best bid. So if that but, wasn't um, the most exciting, most sport moment of the last weekend, what was? Was it MotoGP <laughs> by any chance? It was. <laughs> I mean, we always get these tweets. Everyone says, boring, Formula One's boring, and I watch MotoGP. And if you want, Assen is one of the greatest racing circuits for bikes. Um, it just seems to have all the right corners in the right order to, to challenge the riders, but also enough straights for slipstreaming, so it's very hard to get away. There's so much overtaking. And it was just of all three races, Moto1, two, well, it's not Moto1, but MotoGP, were amazingly exciting race. We had this spectacle of Fabio Guattararo, this runaway championship leader from France, looking to uh, consolidate his league for a second year in a road title, um, taking out his main rival. Um, we had out front was it was Francesca Bagnaia, this Ducati rider who's who's had so many problems. He seems he's still he's still in the press conferences. Cannot work out why he fell off in Germany uh, a week ago, or whatever it was, because <laughs> the back just went from under him, and he just. You know, he says, well, I did exactly the same thing as the previous lap. And he was still one. Yeah, I don't know what happened. But he's now had three wins from the last six races, but three retirements. So he's, he's got this win or bust uh, season going, which isn't enough to, to put the Ducati really into the championship fight. Because the championship fight is between uh, Quattararo and his Yamaha and uh, Alexis Spagaro on the Aprilia. And it was Alex that Quattro took out with this lunge up the inside, very unlike his character, lunged up the inside. Uh, they were running second and third. Bagnaia got the start and disappeared. Well, not disappeared, he was just ahead of them. So he takes Espargaro into the gravel traps. Alex went down and um, when he just about gunned it back out the gravel, dropped about 14th, and then had this amazing fight back to the field, uh, picking off, closing the gap, picking off, closing the gap. And on the last lap at the famous Aston chicane, it's called the GT chicane, which is a horrible word for it. But anyway, it doesn't seem right. It needs a better name. Aston, please find a better name for your GT chicane. Um, it went from sixth to fourth with a lunge up the inside of the two that were already side by side for fourth. Um, so he got a lot of points back. Um, Quattararo came into the pit, so he dropped it in the gravel when he, when he took out Alex. Uh, he didn't want to go back out the track. They looked back in the pits and the telly, the team managers said, I'll go back out. We might pick up a dog point or two. Anyway, I think he'd broken his air. Aero is now a big thing in bikes. These little square boxes in front of the handlebars have got you know downforce, and but he'd broken all those when he fell off. And he had another big crash. 
um, quite high some nasty and sort of was limping back to the pits to probably tell his team manager a few French expletives for sending him back out again. And luckily, they've now got five weeks break before they're back out again. So any injuries wow. he did have should have gone. Same as touring cars, both on five week summer breaks. Um, Unlike... So yeah, the whole motor, there was just rise, racing all the way through the motor GP race. You were saying? Unlike NASCAR, that uh, they had goes on every week. A week, a week, <laughs> one, one week off last week, but we're, we're, where were they this, uh, this weekend? Tiff? Nashville. We're just about to the bike. Moto two. Jake Dix was on pole. Sam Lowe's third. Brits filling the front row. Well, almost filling. Um, and Jake battled hard. Didn't lead. Uh, ended up third, but was very happy with that. Really good race. Sam Lowe's was pushed wide at the first corner and then ended up dropping into the sand trap. So poor old Sam's. Because he had a third place, was it third place in Germany last weekend? But he's now had seven didn't finishes from eleven races, wow. and uh, whether Sam's going to pick, keep his ride for next year, he's always quick, but things never go wrong. Pedro Costa, our little favourite, our Moto G Moto Three um, hero, like many bikers, broke his leg training on off-road bikes. The number of shunts they have, bikers injuring themselves going out to training camps. Because, I mean, Valentino Rossi did it a few years back himself. You know, he's got his own training track. So, I don't know how, how long will we be at. He's a broken femur. My, these motorbike boys tend to go back. He's got five weeks, I suppose. Well, probably, they come back, back with broken, with yeah. unhealed. They come back with, still in the car since they are just crazy. I've never known people like it. So, so I, just as Acosta, because he just had, he had a win and then a second. He's just getting on the pace of Costa in a Moto2, and he does that. So do they have teammate. a five week five week break as well? In, yeah, in, yeah, it's in all off for five weeks. Right, so yeah. he's he did it at the right time then. If he, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his teammate uh, Fernandez, another Spaniard, won again. He was third, two on the trots, third of the year, and he's now equal on points at the top of the Moto Two Championship with the Italian Celestino Vietti, who finished fourth in in Aston. Your Italian's better than so, your Irish, to be fair. <laughs> Moto Three, I mean, just breathtaking. I mean, just breathtaking racing. And again, great stories. Ayuma Sasaki, um, who, I don't know how, he's, I think he's been in for about three years and never won. Always up the front, always fast. Um, and he battled through this amazing 10 people leading at one time. Uh, the Brits, um, Scott Ogden had a right off weekend. I don't know, he, was, he had a bit of a trouble behind the scenes when he, he qualified 24th and um, a very retro step and then he crashed in the race. Uh, he's had a bad weekend. So he's got five weeks to get his brain sorted out. Um, John McPhee, though, he only qualified 11th, having dropped it in qualifying on his own, trying to keep with the pack, which he admitted to. Uh, then about the first or second call, he was pushed wide and dropped about 30th and last and came back through a 30-bike field to get in the leading pack. He was second for a while. I'm not sure he ever actually led, but he was in the bunch, the six. It was a six-pack by the end of the race. So an awesome drive by McPhee. But with about a lap and a half to go, third and fourth, clashed in front of him both went down and McPhee he was sort of a bike or two behind and he down he went whether he reacted to see what was happening in front of him or whether he's going for a move on his own but poor old John dropped it himself um so you know that it was left to only a bunch of three to take him to the checkered flag still banging fenders knocking into each other and uh, Sasaki taking the win so yeah I mean just <laughs> entertainment if you'd watch MotoGP and there's always Susie Perry there presenting to make you put an even bigger smile on your face. So it, uh, it fascinates me in MotoGP or uh, uh, on two wheels that the amount of times that they're in the lead and they'll have a 
and or not even lead, but they're contending for the lead, and they'll have an incident on their own with nobody else around. Now, you don't yeah, get yeah. that in cars. No. So of course, you get the occasional spin-off, but uh, nowhere near as much. I but then it's not always so quick. Yeah, because it's funny, if I went to the Silverstone race, I shouldn't diss Silverstone because we've got a big crowd up there, you know, and that track doesn't seem to suit MotoGP two or three. It was kind of processional days racing. Um, they're very spread out, even in Moto3. So it is this thing we talked about in Formula One, didn't we? We talked about how, um, what was the last Grand Prix in um, Canada? Yeah, the Canada circuit just seems to work. It's always exciting. Like Brazil always seems to work. It's always exciting. And Aston is a bike track that always seems to create great racing and others don't. So I always think I've often tweeted about that. You know, I think the tracks need looking at a lot more than the cars sometimes and safety and stuff and runoffs and all that. So you just want to get the circuit. So um, anyway, yeah, very entertaining. Unlike NASCAR, here we go. You see, you thought I was building up, didn't you? To say, mind you, there's nothing more exciting than NASCAR. Well, the trouble is, they're in Nashville and they had a rain break. And as soon as you have a rain break and they all go to a garage, you have to wait two hours before anything happens again. And I ended up watching the race this morning, catching up on what went wrong. There's plenty of three wide action and plenty of uh, moments and spins and controversy, but. Uh, in the end, it was a sort of uh, quite a simple run to the finish line for Chase, Chase Elliott. So it wasn't the most exciting NASCAR race your, this weekend. Your boy came in fourth, didn't he? Kyle. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. His car was... I mean, you see, again, you follow a car. It's what I'm great about NASCAR. You know, his, his car wasn't working in the, in the pre-rain segment. And he actually dropped about 24th. And he was running about seventh. Uh, and, and again, because his crew chief had been banned, because they get, you know, they get caught slightly cheating, grey area. <laughs> it's great. You get twenty. You get two hundred thousand dollar fine, and your crew tree or the wheel man. If the wheel man didn't put the wheel, if the wheel fell off, the wheel man gets banned for three races. <laughs> so because his crew chief wasn't there to quickly, they were on the phone then having a, a Zoom meeting with the, with the band crew chief, and he came out and got the car working better again, uh, and got up to that fourth place. Uh, as I said, he finished in fourth place. So you can go up and down that leaderboard in NASCAR because um, it's such a long race and tactical and everything else. So, so, but this race wasn't wasn't the most exciting. <laughs> but then we come to with the most exciting. Well, I tell you what, we come to this is the most exciting most sport moment. Paul last Woodman weekend. driving a caterer. No, not just was that. that not the most exciting? Was that was that it? Well, you went. That. I wasn't there this week. How did this is your first Goodwood run? Um, how did you find the whole Goodwood experience as a driver? It's completely different. Goodwood, it's amazing. I've driven up the hill before, but when when influencers like me, I'm not an influencer, <laughs> but I'm an influencer. When they say I've driven up the hill, it's always typically it's processionary. You go in a, I've been up in an Audi R8, I've been up in a uh, Range Rover, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you're driving up, no helmet, a little sort of run up there, which is all. It's amazing because you've got all the crowd. But yesterday, I did it for the first time in a proper fast run in a K and 420 car, and and TFIT was amazing. The whole thing going into the driver's uh, enclosure, you got Nigel Mansell what sitting there, and you got Derek Bell and Tom Christensen. It's just it's amazing experience, um, as you know. And Goodwood is without question. Uh, the best motor show in the world. It's like yeah. Pebble Beach, Monterey, yeah. and Laguna Seca all mm-hmm. rolled into one because yeah. you see the cars, you smell the cars, you, they, they, you see them going up the hill as well. So, yes, it was uh, pretty pretty amazing. And there was quite an interesting new world record or, or, or Silverstone, uh, Silverstone, a uh, Goodwood <laughs> record. The, uh, the, the, what's your little nickname for it? <laughs> well, I'm nicknamed, well, you know, you remember Boaty McBoatface, <laughs> the, the, the people wanted to call that boat. 
So I thought we needed when I saw McMurty, I, I suddenly thought it's got to be the Moti Moti McMurtry, the Moti or the Moto, the Moti McMurtry. So the McMurtry, so if you don't know, is this electric um, sports car, race car, fan and car. Was, yeah, and it's the most bizarre thing. It's tiny, and it's yeah. not a car. It's not a car. It's, it's a it's a brilliant <laughs> piece of engineering, but it's not a car. And Max Chilton, former ex former um, uh, former one Grand Prix driver, IndyCar yeah. racer, yeah. Yeah, very talented. Uh, he drove it to an astonishing um, thirty-eight oh nine. I should know that. Crikey, I should I should know. Yeah, that. it was but, something uh, like that. Uh, well, I know uh, jaws were dropping. I mean, every, on Twitter, everyone's laughing at thinking. When I saw it, actually, it was at Blenheim at the Salon Privé, uh, doing a little drag race across the bridge, which I was commentating on. But it's so complex. So there's there's permanently someone with a laptop plugged into it. I mean, it's an incredible thing because it's got a thousand horsepower per ton. They say. Um, but it's got this fan car. So it's it's like the Brabham car that was banned from Grand Prix racing in 79, 80, 79, 78, 79. Um, so it's got 2,000 kilograms. It weighs a ton, 1,000 kilograms. Well, I'm surprised it's not lighter than that. They, they won't give the actual weight. It's obviously got a lot of batteries on it, so maybe that's why it's a bit heavier. So the power is 1,000 horsepower per ton, but it's got 2,000 kilograms of downforce when it's sitting there. So the fan is fired up and it just sucks itself into the ground. Talking about Lord racing Lord. them, you imagine racing them with all those fans pumping well, out. Well, I know a lot of other. people on Twitter were saying, you know, well, why is it so dusty following it? Well, that's because the, the road's been cleaned and shot out the back. So um, you'd have stones. Well, that's, that was the reason why they banned the, the Brabham. I think they couldn't find a, a technical regulation that wasn't quite right. But they banned it on safety grounds because it was throwing stones at the drivers following it. Um, but I mean, you know, someone I think tweeted, I can't wait to see, because I think they're talking about having a one-make race series. But they're not raceable. You know, they're so high-tech. and It's a point-and-squirt sort of machine. And um, you couldn't have people racing that sort of power-to-weight ratio because the acceleration with drivers bumping into each other. Um, I can't, unless they half the it, power. Because, I mean, how far can it go? It probably exactly. only do about, I don't know, with that sort of horsepower, because they do about two miles and then it's going to be recharged. <laughs> I mean, it was astonishing. And I mean, I, you know, it, it did good when it, a year ago, when the last, it did go up previously and it was sort of very slow and fragile looking and everyone had a laugh at it. So I am, I have to say, I'm incredibly impressed with the, the fact they've got it going so well um, that Max was able to do that time. And it, you know, it looked just, well, stuck, sucked to the ground, didn't it? It just didn't look right. It looked so bizarre. <laughs> it's like it was speeded up. That, uh... Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, you need to look at this uh, Murty car because it is a. It's like um, it's yeah. like a Batmobile, but it's it's shrunk in the wash. It's a tiny yeah. little thing. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that it beat Audi's um, electric car that you know did did the Pikes Peak thing and, and did Spa. Because I mean, you know, I got fed up when when they kept on boasting it's faster around Spa than Grand Prix cars and it's it's in one Pikes Peak. Well, Pikes Peak is normally people in garages with V8s and great big wings on the front and back. You know, so obviously if Audi spend that sort of millions and millions, you know, they created a machine. But it's when you're not in, a, in a, any regulation package, you know, there's, you're not competing against anybody except yourself. So, but it's just, it is a fantastic achievement, I have to say. Where it takes them, apart from doing yeah. demonstrations around the world. It's not a um, car. It's not a car, isn't it? I mean, what's, the pu- what's the purpose of it? I don't understand. <laughs> it was just some incredibly wealthy, very... Uh, uh, yeah. With a huge brain on, on him. Yeah. But, um, Who decided yeah. to create his dream machine. Which I suppose, yeah. you know, it, 
it's a bit like, in a way, you could say, what's the point of some of these modern hypercars? You know, I, I mean, how many down at Goodwood in the in the hypercar paddock or whatever it's called, did you notice you never heard of? Like, makes one it off. It was bizarre. I'm supposed to know cars. You know, that's our industry. Yeah. That's what we do for a living. And uh, there's so many I never even heard of. I followed something up. I still don't even know what it's called now. <laughs> the most bizarre looking thing ever. And yeah. everything's a prototype and everything's a one of five and yeah. you're doing this. Yeah. And, and, Two and, and a half million pounds. Everything's three million. Yeah, exactly. Three yeah. million dollars and a thousand horsepower. It's just so bizarre. Which Nobody is, even buys them or uses them. They're sort of stuck in a, in a, in a storage room most of the time. And like you said about the laptop on the, the Murti, but, you know, every all these high-performance cars, whether they're uh, ICE or uh, hybrid or electric, they've all got laptops plugged into them because they're so sensitive now. And, of course, yeah. that's what's happened with the Valkyrie, with the Project One. They, they're having so yeah. many troubles because they're trying to put these race cars on the road. Yeah, it's amazing. And and seeing the little cage in this sort of hundred thousand dollar, you know, pound <laughs> car next to the the uh, Gordon Murray T fifty and the Kona's eggs, literally, you you, you know, alongside all these, it was. It was and um, and what what was your your time then, Paul, compared oh, to the uh, fifty uh, eight <laughs> second fifty? Were you close? Were you what one minute and one? We just just over the. Um, I think I was just know? over a minute. Yeah, I think. The, yeah. So the Caterham six twenty R did uh, one of the fastest times ever for production. I think the second fastest time. Oh, it did? 50 seconds, uh, 50.01, with a decent driver driving. And this was is, that one minute 50? No, just 50 seconds. And I did, I did. <laughs> well, what was the McMurty McMurty then? Oh, 38.09. But that's not a production <laughs> car. That's not a, that's just. No, a, no, I know, no, I know. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, th- I, I was pleased because I, I, a couple of the corners are a bit tighter than you think. And everybody, including yeah. myself, just said, don't overcook it. And don't try. I said, that, no. as soon as I heard you were doing that, don't, don't get brave. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, good, but as always, the weather was blessed. There was a bit of rain, I think, on day one, but apart yep. from that, fabulous weather. And, uh, Thank you to everyone yeah. for looking after us, especially Polestar. And Nigel there, did you get to shake hands with Nigel? My mate Nigel was there with his Ferrari, he was I the centre of attention. I didn't want to be a fanboy, really, and with his Williams, of course, his, Formula, his um, yeah. championship winning Formula One. Um, I, I, the first time I met Nigel Mansell was in 2000 at a golf course in South Africa, Sun City. And uh, he, he took great pleasure in showing me his scorecard. <laughs> oh, did he? He's like a scratch golfer. Not I know. Yeah. He was. He's, he's bloody good at everything. He's uh, <laughs> one of these frustrating... But he's, I think he's so driven. You know, black belt karate and it was, uh, golf and... and uh, oh, sport. magician. He's a member of the magic circle now. Nige. Ah, Nige. Anyway, there we go. So um, next weekend, Tiff, we got the British Grand Prix. They're going to be following on my hallowed steps where I got uh, a um, podium. A podium last week. I've got the timings down. Big weekend. I just got the timings because sometimes you never know what's on, do you? Um, It was four races both days on the Saturday. Formula Three at nine fifty-five in the morning. The W Series. It was quite a good lunchtime. W Series at one twenty-five, and then the qualifying at three o'clock. Formula Twos at five o'clock. So that's your Saturday entertainment. Sunday, Formula 3, get there early for any girl on Sunday, 8.35, the Formula 3 cars have their main race. So get them worth it. You've spent all that money. I can't believe only people spend so much money on Grand Prix tickets. And when you get there, they're not watching these support events. They're sort of buying sandwiches. They're in the more they're exciting. buying their Ferrari caps and they're in the shops. <laughs> Watch the racing. Now, you have to at 10 o'clock in the morning. Porsche Super Cup at midday. But Harry King, our British lad, who's he finished second and he's had a second or so, he's winning. And anyway, he's really quick. Harry's going to win. Harry King, we're going to have a British winner of the Porsche, which hasn't happened for a long time. Uh, then the Grand Prix, three hours later, big gap for lunch, um, 3 p.m. before the Grand Prix. So, um, yeah, I hope you're all going there. We can't all go there, I guess. 
No. But it's really good, really good to see so many races as well. Having sort of you know eight races is good for the weekend. IndyCar no, from Ohio. Races. It sounds like a great weekend. Can't wait for next weekend. I hope the weather's good. IndyCar from Ohio. NASCAR from the Road of America. Formula E from Marrakesh. Yeah. Um, just a couple of other bits of um, news. Breaking well, just news. go back to those tracks. Watch IndyCar. That's Sunday night. They're both great. Mid-Ohio road course, one of the best up and down hills, really tight. But NASCAR at Road America, the greatest road course in the world. And they are very <laughs> spectacular. The Formula E is called Saturday. Don't forget, if you want to bother to watch Formula E, it's on the Saturdays. Well, you're so you're so precise, aren't you? Um, Pierre Gasly's just signed for uh, another year to uh, to 2025, actually. So um, no surprises there, I guess, with Avatari. And what do you think about this news? Yuri Vitz has just been oh, dropped just... temporarily or until pending investigation by Red Bull because uh, he said the N word live when he was playing a game, nothing car related. Uh, with his That's what Carl Larson did. You know, he was suspended yeah. by NASCAR for a whole year. He was put out from NASCAR, and he had to take rehabilitation courses. I mean, it's it's a problem. I mean, it's 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 a shame it happens. I think neither of them were probably saying it with any malicious intent. Well, he, it's just a, a word that word thought, that popped out of the back yeah. of their heads. Yes. Um, and of course, Yuri's had a. T- he's in his third year of Formula. He's a Red Bull third year of Formula Two. He's had a terrible season. He's always quick, but he was leading in in Baku, wasn't he? Oh, Azerbaijan, Baku, yeah. And he crashed out of the lead. So his last race, he probably thought his world was coming to an end because he had a couple of mistakes and he's been off. I think in Barcelona, he was in the gravel. So he, he just had an awful Grand Prix, which he should have won. And now this has happened to him. So you have to feel sorry for him. But then, you know, he's his own worst enemy, as they say. It, you are your own worst enemy. I don't know what to say on it, really, because, you know, we, we, we spend millions of rehabilitating offenders and uh but then one mistake in this and i'm not condoning it because you know what an idiot saying it in the first place or even thinking it but um it wasn't in malice i did listen to it but anyway no. that's uh food for thought. but of course then then you watch um, the glastonbury last night and lamar using the word which black people are allowed to use and so you sort of if they keep on shouting the word out then other young kids they hear the word and they, they a lot of young kids don't think of it as a race thing they hear the word in a rap song that's used. It's a cool, um, endearing I mean, way. You can't excuse it. You must excuse yeah. it, I guess, but it's understandable how these things happen occasionally. Yeah. Well, not for... Sad for him. I think I mean, it's, his career's probably done. <laughs> yeah, Rebel won't take any um, prisoners, that's for sure. But thanks for joining us. We'll um, massive week next weekend. Uh, look forward to, jo- to seeing you then. Good. If you're there, have a great time at Silverstone. If you're not, have a great time watching on telly. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>